Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we're going to talk about video game streaming service and a lot more streaming service, Twitch, who in the last 18 months or so has been a pretty frequent participant in virtual legality, primarily because of the way they have dealt with or not dealt with DMCA takedown notices, copyright infringement issues, and other policies that apply to their content creators, their streamers. Now, before we get into the substance of what happened in the last 24 hours or so, I do want to give a couple of shout outs. First of all, we're getting towards the end of the month. If you don't know, Virtual Legality is a Patreon-supported channel. And in that Patreon, we've got a tier for folks to support the channel, see their name on these episodes at least once a month. And today is that episode. So I very much want to thank our Patreon sponsors for the month of September 2021, Tavern Keeper, Dragon Girl, Falcus Vipus, and Nord. We could not do this without the support of viewers and listeners like you. So if you are interested in supporting the channel and a discussion of business and law, of pop culture, technology, video games, and more, please consider checking that out. I also want to give another shout out here to a Twitch and YouTube streamer and video creator by the name of Devin Nash. You might be familiar with him already. He's pretty big time on these channels. And he did a video on this. He's far more of a participant on Twitch than I am. I don't think I've made any Twitch videos other than to check the functionality on my PlayStation or Xbox. And he started talking about this. So if you are interested after you watch this video in another perspective, a Twitch streamer's perspective on these recent events, please do check him out. He's a friend of the channel. He respects and loves what we do for the industry, and I could not thank him more for it. So check that out if you are interested in having these discussions a little bit more from a different perspective after we're done. Now with that, as a two-minute introduction, let's talk about what's happened. Here's a Variety article headline, Twitch and National Music Publishers Association Unveil Agreement ending months of animosity. Now, the National Music Publishers Association is going to go by NMPA in a couple places that we're going to talk about in this video, but it's worthwhile to know where this animosity is coming from. So in 2020, as you and I both know, a lot of people were homeward bound. And so Twitch and video game publishers in general experienced some pretty massive growth. As part of that growth, certain copyright holders here in respect to the music industry started looking at the Twitch business model. Now, we've done a number of videos here in Virtual Legality about the fact that the Twitch business model relies in large part on what we tend to call largesse here, which is the notion that a use on Twitch, such as broadcasting a video game or the music contained in that game, or maybe music in the background or something else, is probably, by letter of the law, copyright infringement, because you're not the copyright holder of that music, that video game, those assets, whatever it might be, but that through the largesse of the copyright holder, who could otherwise make trouble for you, they have decided not to do so, usually, as it's understood now in 2021, because having your stuff shown on a major streaming broadcast platform like Twitch generally considered to be good marketing. And that case has generally won over the video game industry, even though, as I like to say here, I would still have streamers get the actual license to do what they do from those publishers, and I probably wouldn't broadcast without that license because they can always drop the hammer on you, as last year the music industry decided to do. So here's an article from October of 2020, Variety again. Twitch Amazon slammed by RIAA and major industry groups for using unlicensed music, Twitch disputes the claim. I've highlighted a few parts of this article just to get another reminder of what was happening in the fall of last year. 
The letter obtained by Variety accuses the service of failing to secure proper sync and mechanical licenses for its recently launched soundtrack tool, as well as allowing and enabling its streamers to use our rep our respective members' music without authorization in violation of Twitch's music guidelines, among other claims. The platform was primarily used for gaming until the COVID-19 pandemic when its music live streams began to surge. And as you might expect, Twitch disputes this entirely. Says, hey, that's not our fault. We didn't know. We are confounded, etc., etc." And the RIAA isn't buying any of it. Says Twitch raises a lot of points, none of which addresses the questions in the letter. Instead, Twitch continues to turn a blind eye to the same users repeatedly violating the law while pocketing the proceeds of massive unlicensed uses of recorded music. And Twitch's claim that it responds to takedown requests it considers quote-unquote valid fails to show good faith with music creators. Further, Twitch's shifting of its responsibilities to artists who use the platform is certainly not the act of a company that genuinely wants to partner with creators. So now the RIAA, as of October of last year, is actually throwing Twitch under the bus with its own streamers. Says this is not the way you treat people that create things, which probably hits them where they live. That's why a broad coalition of organizations have united to call Twitch out on continuing to make available unlicensed recordings and compositions on its platform. And as we've talked about, there's really no question that Twitch and its users didn't have the right to use huge swaths of the intellectual property that they were otherwise broadcasting out. Remember, in the Copyright Act in the United States, the copyright holder, the creator of something, whether it's music, video game, art, or what have you, has the exclusive right to control distribution, broadcast, performance, display of that material. And Twitch has always operated in, at bare minimum, a gray area, but more predominantly through the largesse of the copyright holders themselves. The music industry has not been convinced of the value proposition here, which is why in November of last year, when Twitch put out a blog post to its content creators, it said, wow, this is pretty crazy. It says, beginning in May, representatives for the major record labels started sending thousands of DMCA notifications each week that targeted creators' archives mostly for snippets of tracks in years-old clips. We were as surprised by this sudden avalanche of notifications as many of you were. I'm sure they were surprised that it happened when it did, but they probably shouldn't have been surprised that it happened at all. And so there's a certain straining of credulity with statements like this. And it's what led to a video that I made at the same time last year entitled Twitch is in serious trouble because these music label holders and the representatives thereof have a legitimate beef with the way Twitch operates, which leads us to the last couple of days. And a few days before that, when word started leaking out that it looked like the NMPA and Twitch were going to come to some kind of understanding. And from Twitch creators' perspective, this looked like it might be an understanding that would result in them getting a license of some kind, some kind of express permission to do what they do on the streaming platform. It could be argued that Twitch should be trying to get that kind of permission because otherwise they continue to operate in this gray area and they can't possibly police their own platform for what would be multitudinous infringements. That's what the music industry thinks at least. And so folks were optimistic about what this looked like, but unfortunately they probably shouldn't have been. So let's take a look at the NMPA's version of events through their own press release. It says the National Music Publishers Association and Twitch Today announced an agreement to work together to build productive partnerships between the service and music publishers. And I highlighted that last part in red. And the reason I did that is because it's very important to know 
what Twitch is doing in terms of protecting itself, arranging a partnership with the music industry, not for its content creators, but for itself. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm a corporate lawyer. I have conversations with entities of all kinds about how they can protect themselves. But most of the folks that watch virtual legality or otherwise engage with me on these topics are content creators themselves on these platforms, whether it's Facebook gaming or YouTube or Twitch. And it's important to note that this is not an action that Twitch has taken that would appear to benefit its content creators. It's benefiting itself because it's trying to get out of the targeting crosshairs of the music industry. And one presumes there will be other arrangements like this one with some of the other heavy hitters. But it does not mean it benefits you, the person sitting down in front of a camera and trying to broadcast onto Twitch. Continuing with the press release, the deal paves the way for the economics of new gaming models to increase visibility and revenue for songwriters. We don't know the specifics here. This is all a little bit inchoate and amorphous. But again, the focus here, which isn't undoubtedly the case for the MPA, we shouldn't have any questions there. They're defending their own songwriters, is about those songwriters and not about people that might otherwise be streaming. From virtual shows to studio sessions, the partnerships stemming from this agreement will connect the Twitch community in many ways to the music they enjoy. So from their perspective, they look at this as an arrangement with Twitch that's going to get their people more play on the platform in fully authorized fashions at the NMPA level. It's not talking about Twitch streamers using music in a game or using it as background material. That is not addressed. In fact, it's addressed in a fashion that, as I say in my thumbnail, might actually make things worse. It says, Twitch will provide those new opportunities to music publishers who will be offered an opt-in deal, allowing for future collaborations to bring new facets to both the gaming experience and songwriter exposure. These collaborations will create an even more dynamic and expansive environment for people to discover, watch, and interact with songwriters. That the actual music creators will be on Twitch in some more fulsome fashion after all is said and done. The NMPA says, through our discussions, Twitch has shown a commitment to valuing musicians and to creating new ways to connect them with fans in this burgeoning and exciting space. And Twitch says, we are pleased to reach this agreement with the NMPA and excited about our shared commitment to empowering songwriters and other creators to share their work and passions while connecting with audiences. Other creators might be the only kind of olive branch that you see presented in a statement like this towards the folks that are currently making content on Twitch. And then you have here highlighted in red where the rubber hits the road. Additionally, Twitch has created a new process that participating music rights holders, that's your record labels, that's the people that have the copyrights to the songs, can opt into to report certain uses of their music to address when creators inadvertently or incidentally use music in their streams. So throughout this entire press release about this agreement that is a big deal for Twitch, what you have is them arranging things with musicians and music labels and then adding another way for those music labels to target and report Twitch content creators. This was presented by Twitch to its content creators as follows. Here's from an email. We've excited to announce that we've entered into an agreement with the National Music Publishers Association to build productive partnerships between Twitch and music publishers. Probably not you. You're probably not a music publisher. As part of this agreement, we want to let you know about a new process that we are creating that participating music rights holders can opt into to report certain uses of their music, which is more flexible and forgiving to creators 
who inadvertently or incidentally use music in their streams than the existing process required under the DMCA and similar global laws. Now, outside of the fact that they're clearly trying to frame this in an email to their creators as something that is good for them, hey, it's more flexible and forgiving. It's worth noting that Twitch can't actually operate outside of global laws and having a different process that is distinguished from those global laws actually creates more ambiguity and potentially more problems for both Twitch and the creators. We're going to be talking about that in the back half of this video. But they're trying to frame this as something that is useful to the content creators when it is, in fact, a new process by which folks can be reported upon. At a high level, Twitch continues, this new process, which is distinct from the DMCA, focuses on going forward flagrant uses of music. Now that's interesting because flagrant uses of music wouldn't appear to be the same way that the NMPA actually described what's happening here. To address when creators inadvertently or incidentally use music strikes me as broadening the process scope. Twitch tries to strike a tone that suggests it's narrowing. Hey, we're going to start with a warning instead of penalties, they say. Now, when a participating rights holder reports the use of unauthorized music on a creator's channel, the following will occur. Similar to DMCA, we have a team that will review reports and check for completeness. That doesn't suggest they're checking for accuracy, by the way. It's completeness in whatever their notice requirement is. And then they say, unlike the DMCA, Twitch will give creators a chance to course correct by first issuing a warning. Twitch will remove any videos on demand and clips that contain unauthorized music from the creator's channel, unauthorized as reported upon through this new process, not as presumably separately determined by Twitch. And if a live stream involves one of several specified flagrant music uses, including rebroadcasting and broadcasting pre-release tracks, Twitch may also issue a warning or a penalty depending on the creator's history. We will have more information to share here in the coming weeks, and we'll probably cover it here in virtual legality. But basically what they're saying is they're going to get a report of some kind with some form of information from a music creator or copyright holder. And then the stuff's coming down off of VODs and clips. You don't have a counter notice kind of concept here. You don't have a dispute resolution mechanism actually described here. That might appear in the final policy, but we don't see it referenced. So it suggests to me that it probably won't. And if you don't like it, Tough beans, because there isn't that process. Twitch says this new process does not change how music can be used on Twitch, which is the most important part of this for content creators. You aren't getting a license to anything that the NMPA has or other record labels or anything like this. Twitch was not able to, or perhaps didn't pursue, a license from music owners to allow their own users, content creators on Twitch, to use that music. Instead, what they've agreed to is some kind of business deal with them and then another policy on which you can be reported. As we've said consistently, Twitch, it's never okay to include music in your channel unless you've secured the necessary rights or have the authority to do so. Doing so violates the rights of music creators and runs counter to Twitch's mission of supporting all creators. And here's where we start to get a little problematic with what Twitch actually is. As we've mentioned a lot in virtual legality, there's a whole host of game publishers that don't put in their license the right to broadcast it on a place like Twitch and have dropped the hammer on content creators that they have decided they don't like after the fact. Twitch's mission of supporting all creators is great, but one thing that creators should be pushing towards, Twitch included, is getting that license right to actually broadcast. And we have seen certain video games like Minecraft 
like League of Legends, have concepts that actually give you a streaming license to do what it is you're going to do anyway. But, Twitch continues, we recognize that not all unauthorized uses of music merit the same treatment, and it is our hope that we can, as part of our agreements with music rights holders, take a balanced approach that supports creators on Twitch. So Twitch is out there trying to tell content creators that this was effectively the best they could do. You're not allowed to use that music still, but there are instances where the music holders might not be as upset, that aren't as egregious. You're not trying to steal from them. They just don't like what it is that you've chosen to do with it. And so this is a new policy separate from the DMCA that's going to allow them to report to us and everybody should be happy. But the problem is everybody shouldn't be happy because the DMCA is still going to exist. It's a part of the United States statutory code. And so Twitch is still going to want to afford and avail itself of what the DMCA has to offer. So if you haven't looked at this before with us, or if it's been a little while, we're in 17 USC 512, which is only a portion of the DMCA as enacted, but it's the portion that we care about here. And this is what covers platforms like Twitch from being liable for bad things. It says a service provider shall not be liable for the infringement of copyright if the service provider does not have actual knowledge, is not aware of facts or circumstances from which infringing activity is apparent, or upon obtaining such knowledge, acts expeditiously to remove or disable access to the material. So your YouTubes, your Facebooks, your Twitches, your Twitters, wherever else you might see user-generated content, they aren't responsible for a copyright infringement unless they know that's infringing. Somebody actually with high enough authority at the company that says, hey, that's infringing and decides not to do anything about it. Or once they get knowledge about it, they take it down immediately. And that has certain requirements that go along with it. Not the least of which is that the DMCA provides for a very specific notification process. It says you get a notification that talks about infringement, then you have to act on it. But that notification has to have a bunch of different information on it. It has to have a physical or electronic signature of a person authorized to act on behalf of the owner of the copyright material. It has to identify it properly. It has to give Twitch information sufficient to identify it and to contact them. And most importantly, for purposes of this conversation, under the DMCA, the actual copyright holder has to make a statement that they have a good faith belief that use of the material in the manner complained of is not authorized by itself or the law, which includes what we talk about a lot in the internet and virtual legality, fair use. If you're using something and it falls under the fair use parameters, then the law says you're allowed to use that copyrighted material for that purpose. Not Considering fair use has been one of those areas that has been litigated under the DMCA quite a bit, especially of late. They also have to include a statement that the information in the notification is accurate, that they're the copyright holder, that your use is infringing under penalty of perjury, and that the complaining party is authorized to act on behalf of the owner of an exclusive right that has been infringed. Now, that might not sound like much. In practice, it hasn't been much to actually prevent copyright holders, whether it's studios or music labels or what have you, from filing things that maybe are a little bit abusive. But it is at least something that goes into this sequence of events that would not appear to be replicated in what Twitch has described as their new, let's call it the music label DMCA, where all they say is, we're going to get reports. It's going to be outside the DMCA. So everything over here, you have to give the statement under penalty of perjury. You have to be accurate. You have to have considered fair use under court decisions on this question. That doesn't necessarily have to apply to get a valid report from Twitch's perspective under the new policy. 
Now that's bad enough. And if we scroll down a little bit, we'll see why it's also bad, which is that you technically could go after somebody that files a notice under the DMCA that is inaccurate. It says any person who knowingly and materially misrepresents under the section that something is infringing or that material or activity was removed or disabled by mistake or misidentification shall be liable to you. You can go sue them because they were lying. Now, we've also talked in virtual reality about this standard, which is way, way, way too high because knowingly and materially misrepresenting is almost never going to be achieved by anybody filing a DMCA notice. But again, it at least exists. Potentially more problematic is a separate notion about repeat infringers. So if we scroll down a little bit further, we see the following. The limitations on liability established by this section shall apply to a service provider, that's Twitch to you and me, only if that service provider has adopted and reasonably implemented and informed subscribers and account holders of the service provider system or network of a policy that provides for the termination in appropriate circumstances of subscribers and account holders of the service provider system or network who are, quote unquote, repeat infringers. If you've ever sat back and wondered why all these different platforms seem to have a similar kind of three copyright strikes concept, it's because of this. The DMCA doesn't require Twitch or Facebook or YouTube or whomever to follow any of it. What it does establish is that they get out of liability if they do. And that is why you see folks complying with the DMCA. And most importantly, Section I comes in here and says, all of that stuff we just wrote about, you getting out of liability for copyright infringement, it does not apply if you haven't adopted and reasonably implemented a system that will terminate your users who are quote unquote repeat infringers. So just intuitively, before we even get into some of the other problems here, it's clear that what Twitch has created is a system by which they will be receiving more reports on what one presumes to be a lighter basis. They say you're going to get warnings when it's incidental, but Twitch will now know for purposes of the DMCA statute that you are an infringer, that you've been reported upon by a music copyright holder, and that music copyright holder is going to get your VODs and clips taken down by virtue of this Twitch policy, even if Twitch believes it's inadvertent. And so now you've got one strike. Maybe not a strike as Twitch or YouTube or whomever would define it, but under the law, you have been found by the platform to have infringed on another's copyright. Maliciously? No. Incidentally? Yes. And that goes into the calculation. Now, you might also think, well, maybe they're wrong. And that's where it comes back to the fact that their new policy doesn't appear to require all of the protections that the DMCA otherwise affords to a content creator on a system like Twitch, where not only does the original copyright holder have to claim things by penalty of perjury, you also have a counter notice concept and they can't really proceed against you unless they want to make a federal case out of it. It's essentially trying to balance copyright holders and somebody that's using copyrighted material for what they would hope is fair use or some other kind of authorization. Don't even get me started about the fact that if you license music on Twitch and a bot picks you up and goes through this process, there doesn't appear to be a mechanism by which you can tell Twitch that you've actually licensed the music from someone. But even separate from that, you might think, well, okay, maybe they're wrong. I can convince them that they're wrong. I'm not an actual infringer. As it turns out, the court system and the copyright office itself 
doesn't actually require you to be an actual infringer, as one might read in the statute, as I do. It just requires you to be an alleged infringer. Here is a section of the report from the Copyright Office from, I believe it's May of 2020, and it reads as follows. It says, on this point about repeat infringers, the office reads the statute and the legislative history to support a finding that Congress did not intend for repeat infringer to mean repeat adjudicated infringer in alignment with Congress's desire for section 512I, that's the section we're reading, to serve as a deterrent. If only those infringers who had repeatedly been adjudged by a court to be liable for copyright infringement, and thereby were already potentially liable for monetary damages, had to worry about having their access to an OSP's facilities terminated, OSP for purposes of this conversation is Twitch, it is unlikely that such a threat would serve as a deterrent where monetary damages already had not. While any interpretation of Section 512I must give OSPs some discretion to define repeat infringer in a manner that makes sense given their service and user base, any definition, reads the Copyright Office here, must be consistent with the statutory criteria that repeat infringer means alleged infringer, not adjudicated infringer. So by the time you've now got and set up a system by which you've encouraged music publishers to make more reports, because it's only going to be a warning. It's only going to be a warning. We're not going to have strikes. We're not going to go through the DMCA. Don't worry about it. You are now, as Twitch, going to be collecting allegations of infringement at a much higher, more rapid level. By design, you're telling your content creators, you're going to be collecting warning level infringements. We're going to take the videos down. You're not going to be afforded all the protections the DMCA might otherwise give you, which have proven to be not so protective already. And also, we've got a problem now because Twitch, remember, even though they say this is a new kind of program, is going to be collecting this information and the DMCA is not going to apply, is not going to protect them in the other instances that they would have it apply if Twitch is found to not be terminating those folks that they can show are repeat infringers. Now, this is all sorts of amorphous and ambiguous, and different courts have struggled with what it means to adopt and reasonably implement one of these systems. They've even struggled, as the Copyright Office suggests in those paragraphs and above in that report, that repeat infringers of the definition itself is something that the court system isn't great at. But what we've got now is we've got Twitch collecting information outside the DMCA, and most importantly from Twitch's perspective, they need the DMCA to not die for them. The way they function is entirely based upon user-generated content. So at bare minimum, they can't have this happen. The limitations on liability established by the section shall apply to a service provider only if the service provider has done this thing. They can't lose that. So now you've got a question of them collecting information about people who the music industry has determined have infringed. They don't appear to be going through the same process that the DMCA would require. And what happens then? They want to promise their content creators that they won't be terminated, but what happens during the first lawsuit or the next time that the music industry or some other industry says, look, you've got somebody with 26 warnings or what have you. Why is not more action being taken? And even though they've promised these content creators this is happening outside the DMCA, there's no reason to believe that Twitch won't have to take action in order to not lose the DMCA liability shield that they need to operate. And we can take a look at this a little bit more fulsomely as Twitch describes it itself. They've got a repeat infringer policy as part of their DMCA guidelines. They say, we will terminate an account holder's access to the Twitch service if that user is determined by Twitch to be a quote-unquote repeat infringer 
of copyrighted works on the service. Under our policy, a user will be considered a repeat infringer if they accrue three copyright strikes. So they're explaining how this looks. It says account holders generally earn a strike when Twitch receives a complete notification of infringement and does not receive a complete counter notification regarding the alleged infringement or a retraction of the notification. So if you go through the DMCA process, you file that notification, you got the penalties of perjury. This is very important stuff. Twitch, if you don't counter that, is going to assume that the copyright holder or alleged copyright holder is right and is going to put a strike on your platform. You get three of those and you're out as a repeat infringer, regardless of the veracity of the original DMCA takedown notice as presented by the quote unquote copyright holder, which is a problem in and of itself. Now you've layered onto that. And this is the space that you're going to want to keep track of if you're a Twitch content creator, this repeat infringer policy in their DMCA guidelines. This, what they just announced yesterday, is not a DMCA process, as they have claimed in the email to their content creators, but they will be collecting information on infringement. So they're going to have to deal with that in some way so as to not lose their DMCA protections. You're going to want to watch this space to see how its language might be altered to reflect that reality. Twitch continues, strikes are not permanent, but rather are associated with an account for enough time for Twitch to determine whether the account holder is engaging in repeated infringement such that termination is necessary under this policy. When determining whether account holders are repeat infringers under this policy, we take into consideration complete notifications of claimed infringement from rights holders, complete counter notifications from accounts holders, retractions from rights holders, and other, umbrella term, relevant factors and circumstances. Now, this is basically the way things are handled across multiple platforms as it stands right now. We're going to assume complete notifications are legit unless you counter them. If you counter them, we won't consider it legit unless there's more. There's a federal case and an adjudication and all that kind of thing. This, what was announced yesterday, opens up the entire concept of what repeat infringer is going to have to be towards Twitch. It's also worth noting as part of this copyright office report that the copyright office itself doesn't think that these platforms are doing enough as it stands. So when we're talking about what Twitch is doing right now, the copyright office would have them do more, even if they didn't change their platform policies as they talked about yesterday at all. So the copyright office comes in and tells them they need to do more and is talking to Congress in that report to say, you might want to consider having a bigger and stronger requirement for these OSPs because we don't think they're doing enough as it stands today. So what Twitch has done here is they've protected themselves. They've tried to get out of this acrimonious relationship with the music industry because at the end of the day, Twitch is a big company. Twitch is owned by Amazon. They know what they're doing. They know this is a problem. They've got to try to settle this because they can't operate with this kind of leverage placed over them. They're going to try to fix it. But the way they're trying to fix it is not in a fashion that is for their content creators, or at least not anything but ancillary towards that particular end. Instead, they're trying to make business deals to show, hey, we're going to get songwriters out in front of the public and we're going to give you an even stronger, more voluminous right to just you know, just text us. You got a problem with something on our channel? Just just, just put a text in, maybe a, a light email, maybe a postcard. And we're not going to make you do all that DMCA stuff. When you send that in, we'll, we'll issue a warning. It won't be a fulsome copyright strike, except that for the creators themselves, they'll get their stuff stripped down. Twitch will remove VODs and clips that contain quote unquote unauthorized music. So at the end of the day, a lot of this optimism here 
that Twitch was going to make things better for their content creators, that something was going to happen with respect to licensing. Not only didn't happen, but has a new policy, a new process layered over a DMCA one that Twitch can't afford to lose and in which they are now going to be collecting more information than they ever have before in a fashion that is going to require them to act on it in some capacity. So watch this space, but it should come as no surprise to you that Twitch has made things more difficult for the actual content creators that make up its business model. Thank you for checking us out. Again, I'd like to thank our Patreon sponsors for September 2021, Tavern Keeper, Dragon Girl, Falcus Vipus, and Nord. Thank you, thank you so much. And if you'd like to consider supporting a discussion of business and law, technology, software, video games, and pop culture, please check out our Patreon. We've got other ways to support the channel below or just subscribing and telling your friends. Every little bit helps, and I thank you so much for the effort. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.